Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's edition of Students for Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Doreen Finkel, with Mark Faust tonight, and we are live. Welcome to tonight's edition of Students for a Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Doreen Finkel, with Mark Falzon. And, Mark, welcome back as a host. We're glad to have you tonight. Good, thank um, you. Thank you for having me back. Bit, uh, I'm hoping to enjoy the show. Uh, yes. And, um, folks, Mark uh, used to co-host with us, and he's going to be joining us um again, regularly, so uh, it's a nice little delight there. And um, before I get into tonight's topic, which is the ambush at Gange Gal, uh, we do have a couple announcements to make. Uh, don't forget to uh, go to our sponsor, studentsforbetterfuture.com. That's studentsforbetterfuture.com. Um, and if you can make a donation to them, that would be great. Uh, otherwise, we... They continuously keep the show on the air, and we bring topics that are not ordinarily published or talked about in the mainstream media. And um, studentsforabetterfuture.com is a happening group. Um, We have various different uh, uh, people doing research for us, and if anybody would like to do research, please shoot me, Doreen Finkel, an email at studentsforabetterfuture.com at Outlook.com. That's yes, and I just, wanted to add, I just wanted to add, uh, we have to exclude any student members of the SDS, of course, so we don't want SDS okay, students okay. to research for us. Let, well, let's get that email out again. It's studentsforabetterfuture at Outlook.com. Um, we are active media, needs researchers in in various areas, and again, you know, recently our media has run into sex trafficking, and um, we'll be covering those cases also, Um, and, uh, you know, just reaching out to people. And um, tonight, we're going to be talking about the Battle of Gange Gull, which was a battle that took place September 8th, 2009. Um, It is a village located in the Konor province of Afghanistan. And before I bring my guest on, I want to give everybody a little background on this battle. Um, It was September 3rd, an embedded training team led a combined group of Afghan army and national police forces on a patrol operation around Damdara, a village about a mile from Gangegao. The villagers reacted cordially but the embedded training team and its Afghan allies took a small arms fire upon leaving Damdara from a small group of men on a ridge outside of the village. After the brief attack, the village elders of the nearby Gangegao renounced the attackers and requested that the coalition forces return to their village to conduct a census of military-age males and assist rebuilding 
of the local mosque. The original date of September 7th was pushed back by the embedded training team uh, at least a minute in order to ensure that the national police forces were adequately prepared in, um, for the coming operation. And folks, I want to remind you on this case, um, we've heard an awful lot about Benghazi, but not this one. Um, and so after the battle coalition forces speculated that elements within the Afghan National Police Forces and local villagers had informed nearby Taliban forces of the mission's timing and location. In addition, an investigation was launched into the lack of requested fire and air support. While members of the task force publicly blamed um, the Crystal's new rules of engagement, which were also cited by personnel at the command post, the investigation placed most blame on the battalion leadership, concluding it had been negligent. And the investigation has found that three U.S. Army officers at a nearby forwarding operating base, Joyce, from Task Force Chosen, uh, a unit comprising soldiers from 1st Battalion, 32nd Infantry Regiment, and 3rd Brigade Combat Team, 10th Mountain Division, out of Fort Drum, New York, had exhibited negligent leadership, which had, had directly contributed to the loss of life in the battle. Two of the three officers, Major Peter Granger and Captain Aaron Harding, were given formal reprimands for this. And then, in September of 2012, McClatchy journalists interviewed nine Afghan soldiers from the Afghan National Army 1st Kandite, 2nd Infantry Brigade Corps, who had been present at the battle. The Afghan soldiers disputed portions of the U.S. MC's account of the battle, stating that the Taliban did not charge Meyer's vehicle and that uh, and that only two dead Taliban were found after ba the battle. The Afghan soldiers stated that it was belated arrival of attack helicopters which finally chased away the Taliban, not the actions of any U.S. soldiers or Marines on the ground. The Afghans added that three Marines and a naval corpsman, John Johnson, Kennefleck, and Johnson and Layton were killed after the, the remaining behind to cover the withdrawal of the Afghan soldiers from the ambush site. Um, and tonight, folks, we have one of the moms of those who were slain in this incident, um, Susan Price. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you, Doreen. Thank you for having me. Yes, how can you go with this, Susan? Do you want to tell us I mean, is this account accurate so far? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, Shoot. Go ahead. Well, most of it is, but, uh, there, you know, as people can see today, the um, patterns that have emerged with uh, what's going on within various departments of our government and uh, the he said, she said, blame game. And so Dakota Meyer was there. He knows what happened. He uh, went in and he did fight and and kill and ward off various Taliban enemies. And um, you know there was uh, there was no air and very little artillery. Um, but. In the reports that I have, the investigation report, you can see then a lot of this uh, rewriting 
of of the um of what happened of the ambush and uh a lot of the he said she said and at one point they blamed the dead men our, our marines and tried to say it was planned out uh not planned out correctly when our, our marines so exactly were set blamed, up who exactly blamed the dead men who blamed the dead men well various people within the um the DOD. So, okay, so okay. we are talking about uh, the military chain of command. We're talking about the uh, Department of Defense rewrite, which are right. the uh, bureaucrats in D.C., correct? Yes, sir. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, okay, so they actually blame the dead men. Now, yes, um, and at one point they also, in the report that I have, said that it was the Afghan uh, soldiers that planned the mission. So let me get this straight. When our men go in, and they usually know six to nine months before they deploy because their name goes on a roster for many reasons, and one is for financial reasons, so they can order all their arms and ammunition and food and and whatever they need. So those in the DOD at the highest levels can see who is exactly going to be where from what team and and where they're going to be precisely. And uh, so they... It's our Department of Defense, our military, this is the United States. We're the ones that dictate who goes where and what this mission's going to be about. And this mission was uh, also called Dancing Goat 2. So, um, Dancing Goat 2. Yes. So now, could it be that... The, um, somebody had intel on our guy's pr- position. That's why they were ambushed like that. Yes, ma'am. Or yes, correct. Uh, okay, and it was it was it uh, a squeal from inside our own ranks, or that was never well, proven? Well, it could. You know, it's it's never been proven, and it could be both. It could be uh, well internal as well as one of the Afghan soldiers going and, and talking, but I believe it to be both. I believe it to be very deep within the channels. And uh, because there was another intricate mission within the mission, a top-secret mission within the mission. So, um, and my son was involved so somebody, with that. So somebody knew about this? Yes. And, uh, and they knew our position. Yes, in um, fact, now, they probably set them up. Okay, so if it was a set actually, let's go back a minute. Who Who is Dakota Myers in this? Dakota Meyer is the Marine Medal of Honor, and he's the first uh, living Medal of Honor for the Marine Corps in 30 or 31 years. And then the other okay. Medal of Honor recipient, was Captain uh, Will Swenson of the Army. 
Okay. And um, was Dakota one of the um, survivors? Well, this yes, is right. This is the story. I have to kind of paint a, another picture for you, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So we had our Marines, and we had uh, the headquarters, which was Camp Joyce, and it was located about two and a half miles from the hub communication center of the Taliban. Now, why our uh, generals would put, you know, a a big base just a couple miles from the telecommunications hub of the Taliban is is pretty wild, but that's where Camp Joyce was, and that was the headquarters there. Then there were a couple little uh, bases within a few miles away from Camp Joyce. My son and, and Dakota Meyer, um, James Layton, the corpsman, and, um, and First Lieutenant Michael Johnson, the four, there were four-man teams, and they put these four-man teams in uh, different bases, and my son's base was called Camp Monte. And Camp Monte was the most treacherous base over there. It was way up on the mountainside and um, further away from Camp Joyce. So, uh, and they would go out on patrols and um, every day, and sometimes they would receive firefight from the Taliban. But on this, uh, when they were out in Damdara a few days before the mission, you know, they were told to come back. They were invited back. But the day before, I want to touch on that. On September 7th, the day before the Ganjga ambush, uh, my son's team was at Camp Monte, at their camp, and they received fire and explosives that day, and uh, it almost cost all four of the lives, my son's four-man American team plus that of the interpreter and Afghans. And um, they escaped, you know, by the skin of their teeth. And uh, whoever was monitoring that realized they were not dead. And a few hours later, my son and his men, who were smoking cigars and celebrating life and another chance, oh, we're alive, blah, blah, blah. They received a call from headquarters at Camp Joyce saying, you need to report here at Camp Joyce because we're going into Ganjgal tomorrow. So you need to be here. And so they packed up their gear and they headed down to the headquarters and met with the officers and um, they left at 1.30 or 2.30 in the morning and it was only, you know, um, a few miles away, but they had all this gear that they had to carry in because they were not allowed to drive in. So what ended up happening when they got to the destination Point where um, they had to leave Dakota Meyer, the Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, they left him with vehicles and arms, and my son and his men 
went in and they switched to Meyer because he was a sniper and he was the best at what he did. And my son told them, you need to stay here and listen for our radio calls and uh, and monitor them and follow the grids because you may have to come in and get us. And um, my son actually said to Dakota Meyer, who knows, Meyer, you just may be the next Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, wow. That's yeah. very powerful. Yes, it was. And, and I... I said, Dakota, how did that happen? You know, and he says, I don't know. You know, that's that's what he told me. Um, so my son went now, in. Now, um, I'm just looking at the date of this. Um, it was September 8th. September 8th, 2009. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I wondered why this hadn't gotten much attention. Well, this like was actually God. Labor Day weekend in the United States. This event happened on a Tuesday over there, but this was people coming back from Labor Day weekend in the United States. And this was on national news, but the thing is, uh, Doreen, people, when there's... Um, an onslaught of tragic events that keep occurring, that's when it gets the attention of Americans. But American people are, for the most part, um, they're awakening, awakening up, but a lot of them were too busy being Americans. You know, this was Labor Day weekend going into the early week, a lot of people coming back from vacations of the end of summer, getting ready for school in the north, because the children start school in September, not in August. And so people were very busy with their lives. But nowadays there's so many tragedies unfolding, one right after the other. Now it's it's gaining uh, momentum, and now it's gaining attention. But five years ago, you know, it was uh, one of the first, big, huge tragedies, and we had many more before, um, you know, SEAL Team 6, Extortion 17, and Benghazi, but this is truly Benghazi before Benghazi. My son and his men were denied air support and artillery support, and uh, every inch of it was a, was a setup from every angle. Right down to the three-sided ambush. And have you brought this to the attention of some of our legislators? Has it gone that far? Oh, I've gone to hell and back, yes. But, you know, it's really difficult when you're a one-man, a one-woman team. And um, I had very little support. I did have support right out the gate with Congressman uh, Walter Jones. And uh, he was just amazing. And um, I met with him one afternoon, and he gave me the whole afternoon. He was in tears. This man has pictures of every single fallen hero in his state of North Carolina outside of his wall in the halls of the Rayburn building. And also we had the help of... um, 
a few other congressmen, but also Duncan Hunter from California. He's a former Marine. And uh, the very few veterans that work within our government are the biggest supporters. Yeah, I just wanted to point out to the audience, the Rayburn Building is one of the buildings that the legislatures are housed in outside the Capitol Building. Uh, there's the Longworth Building, Rayburn, and there's one other. And that's where the congressional offices and their staffs are located. But I'm sorry to interrupt, Mrs. Price. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so, uh, Doreen, I've utilized every extra penny I've had. And I've been on radio. I've been on 60 Minutes. I've been in the Marine Corps Times for five years in a row every month. I've done everything possible a woman could do and trying to maintain a a healthy balance of life on top of living this eclipsed uh, chapter of death. Uh, Let me ask you, has your son, um, prior to this incident, has he called you or said anything that he noticed anything out of the ordinary, like somebody... I don't know. Well, um, my son couldn't talk about uh, anything. He was a Marine of over 12 years. It was to be his life life path. He was Marine of the Year twice, very highly decorated. Eight, he was in for over 12 years. Four years he was a recon, special ops Marine, and eight years admin, but he had the highest security clearance. So... There's no way he could tell me uh, anything ever with any mission he had been on. And he'd been to 41 countries around the world. So you can only imagine um, a man, thirty, almost 31 years old, to live the life of a 60-year-old in, in, in half the time. So I never... Um, would ask him any questions because we couldn't talk. He's mentioned many times it would be off limits. But he did say if he ever put anything anywhere that it was there for a reason. And we kind of had a little abstract language. And um, just from little bits and pieces and um, knowing what I know and doing the investigation report with other professionals, bringing them in, We've, we found out more. And he did say to a friend before he went over there, I found out why we're going over there. I cannot tell you why, but it's not what Americans think it is. Huh. Um, well, wow. my son also worked at Central Command. Uh, he, uh, uh, yeah, hold on, sorry. Hold on, Susan, one second. Um we're going to be taking questions in a few minutes because I know if you have callers on here. Sure. And anybody who wants to call in, the number is 646-915-8117. That's 646-915-8117. And we'll be taking questions in a few minutes. Go ahead, Susan. I'm sorry. Um, I wanted Sometimes. to mention that my son, um, see, now everybody knows more about Qatar and how it's a big headquarters for Taliban. And when my son worked at Central Command under uh, a general as his enlisted aide, he had to fly back and forth to Qatar. That was one of his jobs. And he briefed and debriefed 
contractors and officers and they they tried to push him to become an officer but he declined he did not want to do that and um i you know he had his suspicions why not but he mentored to the men and he had a really very high security clearance and knew more than and was privy and actually was human intel so he knew who Taliban and activities and he knew everything that's going on today. He saw it because he worked the database. Uh, he had the compartmentalized security clearance, so he knew everything. And uh, he even told me about this administration before they were in office and said, watch out, this is not good. And so uh, I believe that he was the target of this ambush. And our government, our DOD, had knowledge that the Russians were there in 79 to 89, and they could not stop this war between the Russians killing, being killed off by the Taliban. And it was the Russian mothers that jumped in and stopped it. A mother's love and the power of the life giver, and that's what ended the war. So why, in fact, would we go and think that we could retrace those steps when there was a 10-year history there? Clearly, we're not using our drones in all of our uh, most sophisticated, intricate weapons that we have. And surely, um, you'd have to be half crazy to put a headquarters so close to the hub communication center of the Taliban. And why would the Taliban want to go after Marines NCOs? Why wouldn't they go after the generals at the headquarters? I mean, there's just so many unanswered questions besides our own men not administering air and artillery support like Benghazi. It's it's just like yeah. that. Yeah. It's, uh, well, yeah, you know, you know, I wanted to throw some history in. Um, well, when the Russians had invaded Afghanistan, um, they were being successful, uh, and they were having a string of victories. Uh, the United States then came in and started assisting the Mujahideen. And actually, uh, you know, I just had an argument with someone on Facebook with this today. Osama bin Laden was working with the CIA, uh, and I I tried to explain to this person, well, of course he was working with the CIA. He was a Mujahideen leader, and the Soviets had invaded Afghanistan. The Soviets were our mortal enemies. But I I wanted to point out what turned the tide over there. Right. I wanted to point out to the audience what turned the tide over there, that, uh, you know, the countryside of Afghanistan is very mountainous and hilly. And uh, the the Russians had a weekly scheduled nine-helicopter run from inside the Soviet border to Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan. And they were they brazenly followed the same schedule for years because they knew the Afghan Mujahideen did not have the weaponry to affect them. Well, the U.S. got involved with the Mujahideen, 
and they trained them, they provided them weapons. And then one week when that nine helicopter flotilla or convoy was airborne from inside Soviet territory to Kabul, uh, the Mujahideen was waiting for them with numerous uh, shoulder-held rockets and whatnot. Absolutely. And they, right, and they yeah, knocked my, 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 out all yeah. nine helicopters of the Soviets. Oh. The, the Soviets were astonished. And uh, that uh, our providing of weapons and intel was what helped the Mujahideen defeat the Soviets. Exactly. Now, also, yeah. the reason uh, we went in there was because of 9-11, the training camps for, uh, we were told, the American public, training camps for these 9-11 terrorists yeah. were in Afghanistan, so we went in there. But I have my own theories about that, but that's for another show. Continue, Ms. Price. Yeah. I just wanted to yeah, provide no, some okay, background. Hold on. Um, and uh, Susan, we have oh, yeah, a caller sure. on the line here. Uh, caller seven four zero three seven three. Would you like to ask a question? Hello. 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 You're on the air, sir. Are you talking to me? Yes. Yes. Okay. My name's Greg. Um. <laughs> I think that uh, it's absolute crazy what we're doing to combat extremism. And I think that the Benghazi attack, I think that what you cited on your website, um, all of these things are directly responsible to the Obama administration and their lack of foreign policy. Absolutely. I don't know if it's a lack of foreign policy or a foreign policy objective that differs from the mainstream American mentality. Exactly, Uh, agenda. If you see the uprising in Europe now, especially in France and stuff, where they're posting soldiers and, you know, doing things like that to protect themselves against extremism, we're not doing that. We didn't show up at the rally. We don't. We're no show. The Obama administration is a no show. Over. Well, sure, over he's not going to show up and demonstrate against his Muslim Brotherhood buddies. <laughs> he, he's not right, going to do right, that. Right. Well, um, uh, you back, know, he claims to be a Christian. Okay, but hold on. Getting back, getting back to you, Susan. Um, has anybody bothered you? Um, you know since you've been doing this investigation? Well, Doreen, let's just say I have a history of uh, some activity <laughs> before, during, and after. Yeah. And that's a whole other uh, show in itself, which I can come back and talk about, and uh, we can address uh, the uh, okay, so, right now. Okay, so you're saying that they have in some yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Wait, who's but, they? Okay, who's so, they? And, and, the and, well, government, the Taliban, who's yeah. they? Uh, the DOD. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, oh. Mark, I want hold on, Mark. I want to ask you something. Why would they do that? What, what to? Well, would they, I wanted what, what to they, what, mention, Doreen, that um, Captain Swenson's Medal of Honors were ambushed twice, and General Petraeus signed off on them the second time. Yet. 
didn't even remember that he signed off on them. I mean, this is just... General Petraeus. Okay. He signed off on them the second time they were missing from the computer system at U.S. CENTCOM. So, so what would, so what would be their goal? What would be their interest? They must have to, had an interest. If you know, I, I don't know. Maybe try to get rid of this and and pretend it didn't exist. Um, I, I actually believe that General Petraeus has information that could damage the Obama White House. And Is that why they're going uh, after him now? Exactly. Well, we don't know. That's a, exactly. You know, we don't know. It could be. You hear different things, but I know factual. I'm I'm sticking I, to the I, factual. I have seen some things on some websites and stuff that um, identify things that the Obama White House has identified, even uh, reporters, you know, news reporters and stuff that have been critical of their administration that they've gone after. You know, there's a $30 million lawsuit now with, uh, what's her, what is the woman's name? Howard Broadwell? Uh, no, um, the one from, yeah. Um, uh, Mark, you're not coming in clear. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, the woman I believe okay. he's referring to is Atkinson, the Channel 2 reporter. Yes, Cheryl Atkinson. Okay, Atkinson, yes. Yeah, Cheryl Atkinson. And, I mean, these things are really, really relevant to what is going on with the spying ability of our government. You know, this is like reminiscent of you show me the man and I'll show you the criminal. And that's what they're doing. They're they're doing so much tracking. I mean, even some of these um, uh, cameras at red light places are being yes. found. You know, it's just down to the finite well, detail. Okay, listen, thank you very much for your call, sir. Okay, thank you. Yes. Okay, and let's go back to Susan. Um well, okay, he is right about one thing, the cameras being everywhere. Um, he, you know, uh, and but my my point in getting back to this battle here is, is a couple of things. Number one, it, it didn't get the attention like Benghazi. Again, um, we have um, how, how many people are dead here? Was it four that were killed? Okay. Uh, yes, four Americans plus one that was injured in the battle and died a month later. So technically five, but four Marines. But I wanted to say, Doreen, that this happened five years ago. In uh, in March, it'd be five and a half years ago. So it had a good two-year start before uh, SEAL Team Six and Benghazi came along. So you know. This, if had people jumped on and asked questions, but I wanted to mention there was also a big squadron of like 20 special ops Marines that were killed shortly after this and others, other Marines that were being killed and tortured and dismembered and thrown off cliffs. And just, there's just so much uh, tragedy that 
Americans aren't aware of these stories because the big ones were in the news and had a platform to keep, you know, talking about. Where ours was the mainstream, it was starting with that. And so my mission is to make sure that this does not get lost, that we keep this alive, and that we keep us alive and wake up Americans in the process. And every day we become de-Americanized. And I saw this. I saw this in the reports, and that's why I jumped up. And I picked the sword up where my son dropped it, and I said, what's going on? I'm going to find out. And, uh, you know, and I'm still on the mission. Well, you, you know, Miss Mrs. Price, well, what, what you're claiming and saying, looking at the big picture, looks like, part of an overall pattern that is emerging in that uh, it seems that our own young men, our own brave, our our finest are being, I I hesitate to use the word betrayed, but uh, it seems like measures are taking place out of the DOD that are running counter to the American war effort and Our finest American lives are being lost in the process. And that is most disturbing. Right, right. I mean, you you, you Uh, take this example, you take Benghazi, you take what happened to SEAL Team 6, how those young men were set up like that. And uh, this is quite disturbing, the the big picture. And and, and also, uh, I want to bring up the point that the media uh, had made these... um, guys that were killed, they made them into being, um, you know, a, a, a victim. I mean, you know, blame them for oh, the things that have gone wrong. They have to cover their tracks, as we say. Well, well, but the media, Mark, lately has been known to do this. They did it in the Brendan Tevlin case, okay? We all know Brendan Tevlin was a 20-year-old boy who came back from college to visit his parents yeah. here in, yeah. in uh, West Orange, and uh, he was just parked at a stoplight, you know, coming home late, playing video games with his friends, okay? And then, bing, bang, boom, okay? He was shot by uh, Atta Muhammad, Ali Muhammad Atta uh, yeah. for, for no reason, okay? And then the media made an attempt to... Um, to claim that oh he was drunk okay he was he was not uh, um, um, abiding by the law okay this, well Doreen I want to touch on something so, very important I want to touch on something very important for people that are non-military when these atrocities start they start on the battlefield in the military political arenas. And then they escalate to the civilian front doors and communities. And when my son was over in Afghanistan, I, you know, what could I do? I I lost my son. What could a mother do besides pray and keep her family together? I got together with some other mothers, and we investigated, and we found out the real reasons we were over there was to push the uh, Muslim agenda and they had our soldiers. They were dumbing down Marines. Now, Marines are elite. 
they're the first in. They have extra special training. My son also was recon, special ops, had been on missions for years with SEAL Team 6 and Rangers and, and others on other in the Ivory Coast and Africa. He was Marine of the Year twice. He had many, many awards. He was the attendee for President George W. Bush at the Republican National Convention, hand-selected. He worked for an enlisted aide as the enlisted aide under a general under the Bush administration. Uh, you don't take a soldier, a Marine like that, who's brilliant with the highest security and clearance, and then you find them dead in a ditch a few years later on a mission that's supposed to be meeting with elders, and you don't send our Marines over there to play bodyguard and, and watch a building while they're holding elections. And then you're going to have them build uh, sewers and mosques? you got to be kidding me. So they tried, these people within, these parasites, tried to use our, our Marines, our Army, all of our men and women of, of service to dumb yeah. them down and misuse them every which way, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, then steal three meals a day from them and give them one or not even. Uh, this yeah, is now one of the our, greatest. Um, first person is texting me saying that um, there were complaints that the coalition casualties in this case were avoidable and they were caused by a failure of the chain of command to provide yes. fire support for, yes. the, for the team and then triggered an official investigation and a series of reprimands to the U.S. military There was officers. never a formal investigation. There was a gathering of eyewitness accounts, and that's all that was. And there were Have two. Have you tried to, to um, get Daryl Issa? Um, well, I've done everything I could, and unfortunately... As I was doing my work, that's when SEAL Team 6 and Benghazi and the others escalated. So as I was working my ranks with different senators and congresspeople and working and traveling and networking, all these others started to unfold. More before you heard of Extortion 17 in Benghazi. Like I said, there was a group of 20 special forces Marines that were killed. We had Marines that were ordered to walk through mines. I mean, I'm not, I know the mothers and the fathers. I'm one of the National Gold Star mothers that talks to everybody. I know a lot of these Gold Star families. And I've counseled a lot of these young men coming back that knew my son and others because it's right. just... Um, horrendous what they're doing. You know what, ma'am? I just wanted to point out to you, or Doreen, I wanted to tell this to Mrs. Price. Uh, a, 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 a SEAL was just elected to Congress. And uh, i sorry, oh, I don't have his okay. name on my fingertips, but uh, he may be another outlet uh, for you to seek out. Uh, Is I don't that have Ryan Zinke? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I his know name. Ryan Zinke. I've I've talked to everybody. I'm telling you. Oh, I've okay. All right. Wow. You have covered yeah. the bases. God bless you. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm just curious, Susan. Um, are Are you familiar with the um, uh, Staff Sergeant Juan R- Rodriguez Chavez? Yes. And Captain. I, I've met um, all these um, people at a couple of the awards and and. And in 2013, I actually was instrumental in working with Congressman Duncan Hunter and providing him the paperwork he needed to get Captain Will Swenson his Medal of Honor because the Department of Defense was withholding that paperwork and said it will be two to three years before we can furnish you with this paperwork of the investigation. And I followed every single activity, and I, I called Congressman Hunter and said, what do you need from me to escalate this so that we can have another form of closure? And he said, I need a copy of the investigation report. And I said, I will overnight that to you. All the families have a copy. As well, I had other documents because of who my son was. And then within a year and a couple of months, he was able to get Captain Will Swenson his Medal of Honor citation. So I've done everything humanly possible that a mother could do working like five people. Uh, and And including getting us into the Pentagon for a briefing with officers and generals because I couldn't get a congressional hearing. So I had to settle for, you know, a meeting at the Pentagon for two and a half hours with some generals. And I came in armed with, you know, my knowledge and a congressman plus other Congress aides and some Gold Star families and my evidence. They tried to say one thing, and I said, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, not so fast. You said here in the report you wrote this. And I read their words back to them. I had a friend with me that that helped me. She ran for Congress just last year and lost to a bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. But you know what? This is a new year coming, and we will have our justice because, um, you know, you can only trump God for so long, and we will. I We are going to be persistent, and we will persevere. Well, that's right. And, um, and I wanted to point out you know. to the audience, well, uh, Susan keeps mentioning Gold Star. What Gold Star is, if you have a son or daughter lost in action, uh, you're deemed a Gold Star parent uh, by yeah. by the by the government uh, for being the surviving parents. Of a, of a child lost in action, and that's that's why she's referring to that gold star. Yeah, wow, that's amazing, though. Um, yeah, and some story—it's quite disturbing. Uh, yeah. Quite disturbing, Dory. Yeah, it is. And actually, Susan, um, I want to ask you before um, you know uh, your son had gone into the uh, uh, Marines, um, wh- what made him decide to do? Well, uh, you know, he was an athlete. He was always the quarterback. He was a high school quarterback and started in third grade 
and always was a football, baseball, basketball. He was a golden child, very good in school, had an entourage of friends. He was a leader. He was the paper boy. You know, just loved everybody, and he was just such a, a good, genuine, God-fearing young man. And my father was a Marine, so I grew up into this, and then I went into the Army and, and did a tour. And so, I, you know, he had a lot of men around him because he had a lot of uncles and cousins, and, and you know, it just, was reinforced, and and he said, Mom, in 1996, there was no war. He said, I want to go, I don't want to go to college. As much as I love sports, and he could have gone for the Hope Scholarship, he said, I want to go into the Marine Corps. So he went in under delayed entry, and when he graduated in 1997, he went in to the military, to the Marine Corps, and, you know, he trained and, and got well, he was in phenomenal shape, but, you know, when he went in, he was up at the very top always, and then they um, they wanted him, you know, I guess he scored, and I don't know how they choose who gets the uh, the high security clearances, but they sent him to Quantico, and then they also sent him to Army Jump School. So he had two MOSs, and he was honor grad, at jump school, so he parachuted out of planes, too. So when he was recon special ops, that's what he did, and he was over in AFRICOM and uh, went on missions with the SEALs and the Rangers and um, over to the Ivory Coast where the pirates are and all these, you know, missions, which he didn't talk to me about, but I did know about one in particular because... Before he came home, I, I found it on the BBC, and I said, ah, that's where my son is, and I downloaded it. So when he came home on leave and I made his favorite foods, I had the paperwork there, and he was just dumbfounded. He said, where did you get this? And I said, that's where you were, right? That's what you were doing. And he said, I can't believe that you could find literally a needle in a haystack, Mark. How do you always, you always know what's going on? And I said, my father was a Marine, your grandfather. Now he's laid to rest besides my father. And I said, "Um, I was brought up with that mindset. And then I went into the Army and I worked under the commanding officer. So I said, you know, I had a balance, and I always wanted to know what was going on in the world, especially the world that my son worked in. And so as much research, because I am an investigative researcher, and I write, and um, so Mm -hmm. I wanted to know, and I found out, and I was right, you know. The Lord gives us gifts, and a mother has that special connection with her children. A mother always knows. Yeah, I yeah. can sympathize with you, ma'am. I have four sons myself, so I'm mm-hmm. listening intently uh, to what, <laughs> what you're describing here. Not to leave you fathers out, but I'm just saying, you know, we carry our children right. for nine plus months. Right, and right. right. Oh, I, I have special. my two sons, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I kind of know what their their interests are and, and whatnot. You know, and my one son wants to go into the um, uh, do ROTC at Rutgers University, 
and he's studying oh. to be a doctor. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. I'm surprised Rutgers still allows ROTC on campus because they're, uh, sw- they've swung so far left. Usually those kind of campuses frown on ROTC. It's well, nice Mark, to hear that. Well, Mark, a lot of them have swung far left, just like a lot of our yeah. colleges have, especially in yeah. New York and New Jersey <laughs> and that region of the country, especially. Right where we are, Mark. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I in New Jersey, we're, we're in the heart of heart of liberal land here, and the Catskill Mountain areas. <laughs> uh huh, Mark. Well, I'm 20 minutes outside of Manhattan, and Mark is not too far behind me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in the New York bedroom community. I'm about uh, 50 well, minutes out of out of the. Well, heart you know, of you have some powerful bureaucrats living in New York, and I won't name them, but you know who they are. I well, were well, we good bureaucrats or bad ones? Because I can't think of that's any good bad. ones at the moment. <laughs> of course, bad. And that's oh, one yeah. of the other parts of the whole state of New York. The Buffalo, western New York is so different from New York City, but yet, you know, they have to fight for to try to have the conservative values and rights. Those people don't want common core and all these ideologies that um, are so far left they right. don't even make sense. And they're I know, I know. You, you know what, Susan? I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, what's what? I know like in Buffalo, and I was reading today in Syracuse, yeah. they, have, they, they have these wildly yeah. leftist Democrat mayors. Well, how, how are these guys getting elected? Well, you know, you have... Uh, well, Hillary I have one answer to that, Mark. <clears throat> and Chuck Avery. Schumer. Chuck Schumer's from Buffalo. Yes. Uh, he's very Avery, powerful. Mark. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I have a Chuck Schumer story, but I'll save that for another time. Me, me and Chucky yes. going eye-to-eye, face-to-face. Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah well, he lives uh, near Mark, my brother. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Guys, we're, we're, we're coming close to the end. Um, and, Susan, I want to ask you um, where, where you want to go from here. What's your plans in the future? Um, Well, I'm actually um, helping a friend of mine uh, campaign. And uh, for anybody that's interested, I don't know if I'm allowed to uh, say it on your show. Go ahead. Fire away, Susan. (laughs) No, we're coming right up the middle Uh because, um, you know, people are sick of, the Democrats and the Republicans that are not acting like Republicans. So uh, my friend Sam Tittle, and she's running for Madam President, and the site is www.madampresident2016.com. And you can go there, and uh, we're going to be pushing for her so that – you know, we can take back our country and uh, get our justice. Say that website. Yeah, God that bless website us again. all in that pursuit. Yeah. I'm so, sorry, Say Dory. that website again. Say that website again. president 2016com Okay, and folks, I want to mention that 
Susan has a website, okay, and I believe it's priceforjustice.com, right? Yeah, forward slash at the end, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, see, I get an A for that, right? You do, Doreen. Uh, Priceforjustice.com forward slash. And, you know, uh, now that Americans are awakening up, um, it's up to all of us. And I'm one of the three percenters, and so is my son and my father and a lot of us in our family that have served. Whether you served in peacetime or wartime, we're part of the three percenters. But, you know, you get sick and tired of fighting for people that just want to take, take, take. So people need to wake up and fight because you're going to have these people at your door if you don't. It's just a matter of time. There's sleeper cells everywhere, and they are already here. So we need to take action. We need to be smart with our voting and not so much the Republican, Democrat. Go for the best person. That's who you go for, somebody that's going to get the job done. Right, right. And think outside the box a, a little bit, you know. Exactly. Because um, a lot of people, they vote Republic, the line Republican and they vote the line Democrat, you know, and regardless of what the people stand for. And well, we're sick why. of the Bushes and we're sick of the Clintons. And, uh, you know, people are never going to let Hillary Clinton forget Benghazi. And she does not deserve to be uh, president. And, um, you know, for God's sakes, we'll all be finished off if she gets into office. So, Oh, yeah. And, you know, I wanted to point out to the listeners, you know, when, when you hear people lauding Hillary Clinton, they go, oh, well, she was senator from New York. Uh, But I wanted to remind the audience that she was running against Rudy Giuliani, the senator in New York, and she was trailing. However, Rudy Giuliani came down with cancer, and he had to pull out of the race. So uh, the the Republicans provided a, uh, you know, a B-list player. I think his name was Lazio. And uh, she she was successful in that Senate right. campaign. But before Giuliani pulled out, he was leading her in in that Senate race. And I just wanted to point that right. out as well. And uh, okay, um, guys, we're out of time here. Um, for more information on um, Susan Price and what she's doing, go to PriceForJustice.com. That's priceforjustice.com. And, um, Susan, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, thank you for and, having uh, me. I'll come back anytime. And, uh, yep. you know, it's not the last of me. You know, there's a lot of work to yes. be done. We need everybody uh, to yes. jump in and, and start working yes. now and digging us out of uh, what this government's put us into. And, um, Mark, go. You have... 40 seconds to do the closer. Okay, I just want to say we are students for a better future, and Mrs. Price, you all have our admiration is the only word I can use Thank you, uh, sir. To, to describe you personally and what and your crusade, I'll call it. Thank you yes. for your support. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yep. Go, go ahead, Mark. You got it. 20 seconds now. Oh, that's 
that's all. Uh, uh, I'm happy okay. to be back. Um, uh, l- please listen to the show for more of our biting, eye-open commentary because that's what you're <laughs> and, going to and, expect. Yes, and go to studentsforabetterfuture.com. That's, once again, studentsforabetterfuture.com. You can find more information on the show. Folks, thank you, and good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you.